you for downloading this podcast from Victory Outreach Manchester. We pray that this message will bless your life as you listen. New seasons begin, old seasons end, Lord, as we finish this series that we've been in. We pray you bless it. We pray, oh God, that you would secure, oh God, the things that we've learned so that we can move forward into this this holiday season. Lord, I pray that you would bless each and every one of us today to learn what it is that you want to teach us. We give you glory today. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. So we're finishing off a series today, the Building the Future series. This is going to be the last message for this season, and uh, we might revisit it in the new year. But how many of you know we're getting into Christmas month, and um, I believe that it's going to be a good one this year. But we're going to finish off today in Nehemiah chapter 6. I'm going to read two verses, and uh, it kind of ties into Christmas season. Because the title of this message today is, Oh No You Don't. Oh yes you did. Oh no you don't. It's behind you. (laughs) So I knew it was going to go there, amen. But um, Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 15 and 16. It says, So the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elul in 52 days. And it happened when all our enemies heard of it and all the nations around us saw these things that they were very disheartened in their own eyes for they perceived that this work was done by our God. Today we get to the halfway point in our journey with Nehemiah. The wall is finished. 52 days from start to finish. It was a majestic, amazing feat for the people of God to come back to that broken down city and to finish the walls. 52 days. It's important to understand that when we obey God's will, when you do what He wants you to do, even though you might not understand everything that happens, it probably won't be easy. But you have to understand that the moment you begin and decide to begin to do God's will for your life, whatever comes your way, it won't fail. You won't fail. You can give up, you can quit, you can run away, you can do all of that stuff, you can take your toys and leave the game, you can spit your dummy out, you can stop, but the enemies around you can't stop you. Circumstances can't stop you. If God has said for you to do it and you obey Him, guess what's going to happen? you're going to end up doing it. It's already a done deal. God has already set the scene. Nehemiah is a great example of this. He didn't have an easy time when we've been going through this series. We've seen that one thing after another has come against him. How many of you have not had an easy time at times in your lives? Sometimes in Christianity we don't have an easy time. You know, whoever told you get saved and everything's going to be easy was lying. That's not what the Bible says. It doesn't say it's going to be easy. It says it's going to be simple, but not easy. There's a difference between simple and easy. 
Some things are just simple. You just do what God says. But it doesn't mean to say it's going to be easy. In fact, it's probably the opposite. Whenever you set out to do God's will, it's probably not going to be easy. Can someone help me out and say amen and agree with me? Right? Why? Because there is an opposing force that comes against the things of God. Nehemiah didn't have an easy time, but he accomplished something amazing. And make no mistake, man, building the wall of Jerusalem was an act of spiritual warfare. You know, we talk about spiritual warfare and some people poo-poo it, they dismiss it. They're the ones that end up either so irrelevant that the enemy's not bothered about them or they just end up as puppets or they end up messed up and not doing anything because they, they mistake the fact that we are in a spiritual battle just living in this world. Can someone say amen? Right? We have enemies. God has enemies. Now he's defeated them through the cross of Jesus Christ. But they're still there. They're like squatters in a house that they don't own anymore. And sometimes you have to make sure that you get them out in the right way. But this was an act of spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is not about shouting at the devil. I've been to some places and, you know, they're doing spiritual warfare and they're calling the devil names and they're talking about the devil and slapping him in the face and, you know, calling him all, all, all the names under the sun and shouting and screaming. That's not, the devil's not bothered about that. He doesn't care about the, 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 the loudness of your voice. He cares about your obedience to the voice of God. Whenever you do what God says, that's spiritual warfare. Whenever you step up and you do what God wants you to do, you're making a statement and that's spiritual warfare. Can someone say amen? The Great Commission is spiritual warfare, making disciples. Getting baptised in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Obeying what He commanded you. That's spiritual warfare. Baptism is spiritual warfare. Because when you go down into those waters, you are telling the devil that he lost the soul that he thought he had. Right? Hell lost another one. So there's spiritual warfare. When you give, it's spiritual warfare. When you pray, it's spiritual warfare. When you fast, it's spiritual warfare. When you read the Word of God and you do what it says, that's spiritual warfare. And building the wall was a massive, massive statement. It was a massive act. It was a statement of faith in the Creator God and it dealt a massive blow to His enemies. I don't know about you, but I used to live for the devil. I literally lived for the devil, amen? I did the devil's will in my life, right? I did bad things. I was a sinner. Huh? Now I'm a winner, hallelujah. Amen? The difference is that Jesus Christ came in. But before, we used to live for the devil. We used to do his will. But then things change. When you get away from that, when you turn away, when you repent and you turn to God, all of a sudden, that enemy that used to have you in his grip and have you in his grasp, he doesn't like it. And he wants to come against the works of God. He wants to come against God in any way he can. But this was a massive blow to the enemies. You know when you got saved, it was a massive blow to the enemies of God. You know you coming to church is a massive blow to the enemies of God. Devil's not concerned with people that say they believe in Jesus and then don't get, become part of his church. It's, it's, it, it, whatever, it's, it's irrelevant. Amen. This is 
a massive statement. They started it and they finished it. Before we get to this point, though, we've got to look at one last throw of the enemy's dice. There was one more attempt before they finished the work by Nehemiah's enemies to distract him from his mission. Let's go back a couple of verses to verse 1, chapter 6. It says, Now it happened when Sambalat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall and that there were no breaks left in it, though at that time I had not hung the doors in the gates, that Sambalat and Geshem said to me, saying, Come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono. Come to Ono, they said. Right? How many of you have ever heard a little voice saying, Come to Ono? Oh no. Oh no. When you get there, you're like, Oh no. Because it said, Come to Oh no. But then it says, But they thought to do me harm. What you have to understand is always going to be people who try to put a negative spin on the work you do for the Lord. And there's times when there is going to be a direct attack against the leader. Watch out. We're going in today. Are you ready? Yeah. When they said come to the plain of Ono, it was, it was a literal place, but it was a place that was an attack to get rid of the man of God. Now the man of God can be the pastor of the church. The man of God can be the husband of the family, the father of the house. The man of God can be the one who stands in that place as a covering. Now, nothing against women of God. Women of God have power. Women of God have authority. Women of God have anointing. But how many of you know, if the enemy can get the man, if he can take away the father, he can rob a generation. Oh, you ain't catching this. He can rob a generation of their freedom. Come on, somebody. Right? Of their purpose, of their meaning, of their dignity, of their identity. So the enemy will try just before things start getting good, just before things start to get into a place where there's going to be a finish of something, the enemy's going to come and he's going to try and distract, take out and remove the man of God. Sisters, you need to pray. You know, the, 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 the thing is, when, when, when God created man, he created him in the wilderness. That's why we're a little bit rough. Hallelujah. I think that before the garden, God created a chair. <laughs> What do I mean by that? Well, before he created the beauty of the garden, men put their clothes on a chair. That's why we still do it today. I think it was built in from the beginning. Can the men say amen? amen. But you have to pray. When God created the woman, he created the woman to be the helpmate of the man. I don't even know why I'm preaching this. It's not even in my notes. But someone needs to listen to this. Because sometimes there's an attack that comes against the man. Attack that comes against the leader. Right? The covering, the head. Ono is this place. It's the place that the enemy tried to get Nehemiah to go to. It was about 30 miles outside of Jerusalem. It was on the border of, of their territory and the territory of Samaria. So it was near to the enemy's camp. How many of you know sometimes God will try and distract you from your mission and get you somewhere else so that you're near the enemy's camp and you don't even realise it? But the plain of Ono was a place of regret. 
If you go there, you're going to be in the power of your enemies and you'll lose all the momentum that you worked so hard to get. Four times the enemies tried to get Nehemiah to come because they wanted to take him captive. Come out from doing what it is you're doing. The strategy was to take Nehemiah's focus off his God-given task. And watch what they did, how they did it. This is how it works. They used slander and defamation of his character. And that's a horrible thing to happen when someone slanders you and defames your character. Especially when it's not true. And even though it's worse when it's not true. You know it's not true. They're talking smack about you. They're saying bad things about you. They're trying to undermine you. They're throwing mud at you. You know it's not true. But it's a horrible thing to happen. Why? Because most people believe the first thing they hear about someone. Isn't it true? Most people believe the first thing they hear about someone. I've had this happen to me many times. As a pastor, you know, I've had people try and get me away from my mission, away from my task, to go to the plane of Ono, to go and argue with them, to try and defend myself. Come on, somebody. To try and go and, you know, clean up what it is that they've tried to dirty. People have tried to do it. Amen. Get me to Ono. Get away from pastoring the church. Get away from praying for people. Get away from trusting God for people's souls. Get away from, from, from ministering to people, from seeing marriages, from seeing relationships develop, from seeing babies dedicated, from seeing souls baptised, from seeing people graduate the homes. Get away from that. Get away from creating atmospheres where people can get to know Jesus more. Get away from that. It's, it's happened many, many, many times. And, and the worst ones are from people that are considered to be close. People that you've brought in, people that you've given position, people that you've helped, people that you've, 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 you've encouraged, people that you've empowered. That for whatever reason, they will then come and they will try and slander you and defame you. Generally to, to justify their own position, who knows? Proverbs chapter 18, verse 17 says this, the first one to plead his cause seems right. Right? The thing is, people listen. You know when you see it that this pastor has done, that someone's had an accusation against the pastor, you see it on the internet, right? Oh, someone's had an accusation against the church. Everyone immediately believes it. It must be true. Right? Such and such has done this. Oh, such and such has done that. Immediately, everyone believes it's true. Because the first thing that someone says against someone is what they believe. But then the Bible says, until his neighbour comes and examines him. Huh? Until someone else comes and says, no, no, no. Hold up a minute. What about this? And what about that? And what about this? And what about that? That's why we have to be our brother's keeper. That's why, sisters, you have to pray for your husbands. You have to pray for your sons. You have to pray for your leaders. Come on, somebody. Because there's always some enemy out there that's trying to undermine, pull down, defame and slander. Always happens. And the thing is this, when it happens, you don't want to get involved in a war of words. So the only thing that you can do in a situation like this is what Nehemiah did. And we see two things that happen right now. Are you ready to learn some stuff? Two things that Nehemiah did. Because this, God forbid, this ever happens to you. Where the enemy comes at you and he's tried aggression 
He's tried all sorts of stuff, but then all of a sudden he'll come round the back, he'll come in the side, and he'll try and defame you. He'll try and pull down your reputation. Come on, somebody. He'll try and blacken your name, right? These are what you need. These are two things you need to do. Are you ready? Number one, the first thing that we can learn from this is that Nehemiah didn't get distracted away from his God-given purpose. There's no point trying to, have a, trying to win a war of words with an enemy. It's, it's, it's like someone says, there's no point wrestling with a pig. Because both of you will get dirty and the pig will love it. <laughs> Amen. These things, there's, there's no point. You just, got, you just got to not get distracted. You've got to keep your eyes fixed on the prize. Come to Ono, his enemies said. Stop what you're doing. Come to Ono. They knew if they could get him to Ono, right, then he's going to get there, they're going to capture him, and then he's going to be in regret. He's going to go, oh no, why did I listen? Why did I get involved in that? Why did I get involved in that war of words with some idiot on Facebook? You see people doing it. Don't do that. Amen. Don't argue with idiots. Don't argue with enemies. Don't do that. How many of you, you know that sometimes people are going to try and do some stuff to mess up your head and mess up your life. The last thing you need to do is argue with them. Because all the energy you put into arguing with them is being taken away from focusing on what God wants you to do. Don't get distracted. Don't take your eyes away from doing what God wants you to do. Come to Ono, his enemy said. But Nehemiah said, oh no, you don't. That's what you've got to do when the enemy comes in like that and he tries to mess up your mind. You've got to say, oh no, you don't. Say it right now. Say, oh no. Oh no. Oh no, oh, no. Oh, no you don't. Remember that. Huh? They wanted to capture him and stop him finishing his task. But look at what he said to him in verse 3. He said, so I replied by sending this message, message to them. I am engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet you? This is the thing. Why should I stop doing God's will to come and argue with someone who ain't doing God's will? Why should I stop doing God's will to come over and meet with someone who's irrelevant to God's will, who actually is opposing God's will, who's not honouring God by, by doing what they're doing? Why should I get distracted from doing the right thing to come and meet a wrong one? And this happens everywhere. This happens in every area of our lives. When you're a Christian, amen, there's going to be people that say, why do you go to church on Sunday? Why do you give to the church? Why are you at the prayer meeting? Why are you not down the pub with the lads? Why are you not out with the girls? Why don't you drink anymore? Why don't you do this anymore? Why, you're, no, you're, no, you're no fun anymore. Have you ever had that? Huh? And if you start getting involved in that, you're in the plane of Ono. Because there's regret in it. But Nehemiah wouldn't take the bait and he stayed focused on his task. Honestly, if we're, if, if we're really honest, there's loads of things that we need in our lives in order to feel fulfilled, right? We live in a world where stuff is very important. We live in a world where, you know, you need money, right? You need money. Wouldn't it be lovely to live in a world where you didn't need money? Huh? Where you could just barter. Right? Imagine that. You see something that, some, that you like, you say, I'll swap you a cow for a, you know, whatever it is. But we need money, so we have to work. 
We need to, to earn a living, and that's biblical. How many of you know we also need to, to live a life that honors God, which is spiritual? Amen? So we have to balance it somehow. We need to be able to honor God. There's stuff that we need. There's stuff that we need to do. There's things that we want. And we don't like it when people try and undermine us. It makes us feel uneasy. It makes us feel dirty. It makes us feel like, like we're, not, we're not being successful. But what is success? Success is not just about achieving your goals, although we need to achieve our goals. What's the point in achieving your goals if you don't live your values? There are many people that have climbed the ladder of success only to find out when they get to the top that they stuck it up against the wrong wall. Right? It's easy to make money. If you want to lie, steal, cheat, connive, break the law, come on somebody, hurt other people. Right? I could make loads of money now by becoming a pharmaceutical salesman. But it might hurt someone. But it's about living your values. You've got to honour God. In Ephesians, Paul teaches on the fundamentals of living a Christian life. He makes it clear, Ephesians 4.1, that we are to walk in a manner worthy of the calling by which you have been called. And sometimes you have to understand there are things that we think that we need. There are things that we think that we need to survive. There are things that we, need, we think that we need to give us identity, to give us security. But what about the calling? I don't know about you, when I was rising up in the things of God, the calling of God was central to my life. I was saved for a reason. I was saved for a purpose, I knew that. That purpose was bigger than just what everyone else was doing. It was more unique. There's a calling that God places upon our lives. It's a calling that is eternal. It's a calling to follow a person for a purpose. And it means we go through a process. It's a calling that sets us apart, that makes us unique. And I don't know about you, but we don't hear a lot about the calling. We, we, we hear about it in Victory Outreach, but where is it in the world around us? Where is the calling of God? But Paul was talking about, we need to walk in a manner worthy of the calling by which we've been called. This, this word walk, it talks about our behaviour. It refers to our daily conduct. It refers to how we're supposed to be living as images of God. And then in his farewell to the church in Ephesus, Paul writes this in Acts 20, 22 through 24. He says, And now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lies ahead. You know, it wasn't easy. I mean, if you know, lots of people don't want to follow the calling of God because it doesn't look like what Instagram looks like, what TikTok looks like, what you know, social media looks like, what the showreel of someone's fake life looks like. It doesn't look like that. It doesn't look like a massive house, five vacations a year, big car, loads of money. It don't look like that in reality. How many of you know the calling of God is to do God's will? It's not just to, to live nice in this world and then die and, and then, you know, it's too late. It's to do God's will. Can someone say amen? amen. I know this is, is unfashionable preaching these days, but I'm, unfashion, I'm an unfashionable preacher. 
I don't care about fashions or fads. I care, I care about the Word of God. I care about the, what, what, what God wants. Because one day, I am a leader and I'm going to have to give an account for your souls. And whether or not you've had an easy life or whether or not you loved me or whether or not you, you, you found me to be easy or whatever, if one day we get to, to eternity and we stand there and there's hundreds and thousands of people that are there and the Lord turns around and goes, see that Paul fellow over there? He preached my word. He was faithful to my will. Amen? I might not have all the fame and the fortune in the world right now, but if, if I'm helping people get into eternity, that's, God, that's the calling of God. That's God's will. I have to be faithful to that. Can someone say amen? And that gets attacked. But we need to understand that we need to finish. Paul said, I've got chains, I've got prison in front of me, but... My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. What was his work? The, the, the disciples came to Jesus and said, what must we do to do the works of God? Jesus said, the work of God is this, believe in the one that he sent. We have to have faith, we have to have trust. We have to live that life of faith. And then we need to tell other people about Jesus Christ. And sometimes life and enemies get us distracted away from our purpose and we end up living insignificant lives on the plains of Ono. We do good things, lovely things, big things that have nothing to do with God. And we have to be careful. Because God wants us to not only start well, he wants us to finish well. How I many of you want to finish well? Huh? In John 19, 30, as Jesus hung upon that cross dying, he cried out, it is finished. What's the point here? Don't matter what happens. Don't matter who comes against you. It doesn't matter what they say doesn't matter who leaves, it doesn't matter who comes, it doesn't matter who throws, it doesn't matter who says things, it doesn't matter how hard life gets, it doesn't matter as long as you don't get distracted from the will of God for your life and from the calling that he places on your life. Finish what you start. It's important because otherwise you're going to end up stuck in Ono, which is a place of regret. Not only does finishing things honour God who got you started, but it also completely messes up his enemies. And when you finish, when you've finished it, when you finish what you start, you've completed it. It's all good. You've done it. You've done what you set out to do. What God told you to do. Everyone's going to know that it was God that got, that got you through. Because how many of you know you've been through hell, but you kept going? You've been through hard times, but you never quit. The enemies try to distract you and throw mud at you, but you stay clean because the blood of Jesus cleansed you. Hallelujah, right? Number two. What's the second thing that we can learn? Nehemiah took care of his own character and he trusted God to take care of his reputation. Sometimes we do it the opposite way around. We want God to take care of our character. And we try and take care of our own reputation. When we get it twisted and backwards like that, we end up doing things to impress people that don't care. That people that don't count. 
that people whose opinion doesn't matter. It's God's opinion that matters. Are you with me? It's God's opinion that matters. But he wants us to take care of our character. This is important. Integrity and maturity are decisions that we make. They come from decisions that we make to honour God and others. And character development doesn't happen by accident. How many of you know you don't accidentally become more mature? Some people are like, well, I'm, I'm 50, 50 years old. I'm mature now. I'm a mature person. No, you're just older. Some people go into kids' gang, they're just the tallest person in the room. Because their maturity levels are the same as a child. Because they haven't grown up from how they grew up. Come on now. Character's a different thing. Character's when God chips away everything in your life that doesn't look like Jesus. Character comes when you make decisions that chip away your attitudes, your agendas, all of your selfishness. Come on now. All of your, your suspicion. Woo. All of your moaning, your complaining, your whining. Do all things without complaining, Paul said. Huh? But we complain about everything, don't we? Amen. And God wants to chip away the complaining. So that not that you're a fatalist, but that you have a character that's like Christ, that trusts in the living God, that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. That it doesn't matter how hard it looks right now, we know that God's got this. It doesn't matter whether you've got nothing right now, we know that God's got everything for you. You have to understand that your character is where you start to become more like Jesus. And it comes from all the little decisions you make. The decision you make to get up and pray in the morning. The decision you make to come to church. The decision you make to, to forgive. The decisions that you make. Come on somebody. To not watch that thing on, 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 on social media. The decision that you make. Not to lie. Not to steal. Not to cheat. All these little decisions we think are just little decisions but they build big characters. Someone once said, big doors move on small hinges. If you want the door of your character to open up so that people see Jesus when they look at you and not just some flesh monster, hallelujah, right? Then it's these little decisions that you make and it's intentional. It's intentional stuff. I found that God is more concerned with our allegiance than with our performance. So God wants you to fix your eyes on him and keep going forward. He wants you to just keep going. Sometimes you're going to mess up. How many of you have ever messed up? How many of you have, you know, you, you've, you've, you've said the wrong thing at the wrong time? How many of you have thought the wrong thing? How many of you have moaned at least once today already? Put your hands up. Amen. You've complained about something already today at least once. Put your hands in the air, waving like you just don't care. Come on now, right? We mess up, but God's not concerned with our performance because he knows that we mess up. Someone once said, when, 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 when you become a leader and, and someone says, I want you to become a leader, I want you to take this, this job on, I want you to take this task on. When Nehemiah became a leader, he probably thought to himself, and we know that he did, that he didn't have the goods. But that's okay. Someone once told me, listen, it's okay. When God called you, he already factored in your stupidity. He already knew you was going to mess up. But that's all right. He's told you what to do when you mess up. If you mess up, fess up. Don't hide your sin. Confess your sin. And he is faithful to forgive your sin. 
long as you keep your eyes fixed on the Lord and you're doing your best to follow him, he's going to get you there. He's going to get you there. I mean, if you say, thank you, Jesus. He is going to get me there. It's by his grace that we have been saved. Amen. Through faith, not through performance. It's by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. It's a gift of God, salvation. It's not of work, so we can't boast. That's why you can't lose your salvation by doing something bad. Because you never earned your salvation by doing something good. It's only by grace through faith that we get saved. Come on, somebody. Amen. Does that encourage someone right now? When you mess up, fess up. And then lift it up to Jesus, then he'll bless up. This character development comes from active discipleship, which is learning about God and his will and his ways. And that learning is about learning to align with him. Get in line with God. Follow him. Get behind him. Do his will, his ways, his work. Sometimes you won't understand it. Sometimes you don't understand. You think that it's better off to do this. But God's not in that. Sometimes it's harder to do this. But God's in it. Because when it's harder, I mean, if you know, that might mean that God's grace is more sufficient for you in that. It's about learning to align yourself with the creator, not just the created things that try to imitate him. And this cuts off a lot of the avenues that your enemy try to crash into your life through. It shuts down the gateways to your soul. It pulls down the strongholds in your mind. You won't understand why everything happens to you, but you can trust that even if you go through the fire, God's going to blow out the flames. You're going to come out smelling of gold. Hallelujah. Looking like gold. Smelling, you're not even going to smell of smoke. Here's the thing. Your reputation is one of your most important assets, right? You ever try and do a business deal? You ever want to go and get a mortgage? They're basically checking your reputation. You go and get a job. They're going to ask for what? Credentials. They're going to ask for references. What is that about? That's about your reputation. Are you with me? A positive reputation will open new opportunities. It can open up a job opportunity, a promotion. Right? You can even, it can even get you a, a partner or a spouse or someone because you've got a good reputation. They check you out. Are you with me? You want a job? They're going to they're gonna ask about your reputation. But the thing is this, the enemy comes to smear and dirty your reputation. And if you run away from your task of developing your character by doing what God wants you to do, and you run away and argue with an idiot to try and cleanse your own reputation. Which is what naturally we want to do. But how many of you know, naturally is not what God wants us to, to, to be living in. He wants us to be living supernaturally. And this is one of the hardest things to do, man. Is to trust God with your reputation. If God upholds your reputation, then who can say anything else? Proverbs 22 verse 1 says, Choose a good reputation over great riches. Being held in high esteem is better than silver or gold. But what happens when the enemies come and they start slandering you? They start accusing you. When they start saying, like they did with Nehemiah, if you read down through the story, they start accusing him, right? 
I've had people try to undermine my reputation, man. I could tell you some stories about some people that would change the way you think about them. But I won't because I'm not the same as them. So I just take it. And I just carry on working my, my mission. Working my mission. Working my mission. Working my mission. Working my mission. Dealing with my character. Looking at myself. Is there any truth in that? Can I change in that? Have I done something wrong in that? God, forgive me if I have. God, help me. And I just keep going forward, keep going forward, keep going forward. And then what happens is, those people that throw the stones, they're no longer around. Those people that throw the stones, they end up doing nothing. It's not like people that throw the stones against men and women of God actually go on to do great things for God because they're working for his enemy, doing accusation. That's not what, that's, that's not what God does. That's what the devil does. He's the accuser. I and mean, if you just keep going forward, how many of you have had people try and say bad things about you and you're trying to do God's will? Just keep walking forward. Trust God to deal with your reputation. The thing is, if you're still found there doing God's will and people are getting touched and changed and coming to know Jesus, then that's God's stamp of approval on your life. Work on your own character. Stand your ground. Let God handle your reputation. That's what I've learned from Nehemiah. That's what I've learned in all my years. It's something that if you get it, you're going to be blessed. You're not going to live offended. I mean, you know, we live in an offended culture. Everyone gets offended about everything, right? Everyone's offended about everything, amen? But if you, cannot, if you can live being unoffended, unoffendable, you can't get offended. Guess what? You are part of, forget the 1% of the richest people in the world, you are 1% of the most blessed people in the world. Someone that can't be offended by people's nonsense. Because my eyes are fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, endured the offence, hung there naked on a cross, beaten, blooded and bruised, when he'd done nothing wrong. If Jesus can do it, and he did it for us, and he says, take up your cross and follow me daily, guess what we got to do? We've got to fix our eyes on living for Jesus and don't worry about the naysayers, the nonsense speakers. Don't worry about the people in the world. Don't worry about the atheists, the science people. Don't worry about the people that try and mock. Don't worry about that. Whatever. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. What are you going to do to me? Hallelujah. Once again, we learn from what Nehemiah did. Verses 8 and 9. I replied, there is no truth in any part of your story. What they'd done, they'd come to him, they sent a note to him and they said, there's a rumour. There's a rumour about you. Ooh. I mean, even though rumours are horrible things. Huh? When a rumour enters a room, peace leaves. Right? Rumours come in. Oh, did you hear about so and so? Did you hear about such and such? When rumours start coming in, the enemy's not far behind. But look what he did. He stood his ground. He knows his God. He knows his mission. He knows what he's called to do. He knows he started rebuilding this wall to give protection to the city of God, to surround the temple with boundaries and protection, to keep sacred the things that God considers to be holy. And they started 
and they finished. We've been through this, this, this series. We've been through it. We see how people took ownership of their own place. They fought for their families. They had a, a, a trowel in one hand to build. They had a, a sword in one hand to fight. They didn't quit. There was madness that came in. There were people that didn't do what they needed to do, but they kept focus. And in 52 days, they finished the work. And then we see this distraction come in. There's a rumour. In verse 8 he says, there's no truth in any part of your story. You're making the whole thing up. <laughs> huh? Then in verse 9 he says this, they were just trying to intimidate us, imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. So I continued the work with greater determination. That's what it says. All the threats, all the intimidation, all the lying accusations just bounced off Nehemiah's spiritual armour. Because while he was working on his character, he was armouring himself with the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and the belt of truth. He had the shoes that were fitted with the gospel of peace. I mean, if you know, if you're a Christian, you've got snakeskin shoes, hallelujah. Because they're for... It's all the snakes and scorpions you've been trampling upon. He had the shield of faith that he put on his arm. He locked him rank with his brothers and his sisters. He didn't quit. He stayed firm. He did what he had to do. He didn't complain or moan or blame or do any of that nonsense. He kept going. He kept building. He kept growing. He kept doing everything that he needed to do. He got the sword of the Spirit and he kept saying, it is written. No, that's not what God wants. No, you can't get me. Hallelujah. And he finished the work. And that's what happens. So as we finish this series, I want to commend you to do those two things. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. What has he called you to do? What has he called you to be? Where has he called you to serve? Keep doing it. Unless there's a, 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 a voice comes and says, go and do something else, God doesn't change his mind. Amen. When he sets you to a task, he expects you to complete it. Keep your eyes fixed on him. Keep your eyes fixed on it. And then, work on yourself. Work on yourself. If people throw stones at you and it hurts, look at it and say, why did that hurt? Was there truth in that? Sometimes there's a little bit of truth in it. Sometimes it's exaggerated. Come on, somebody. Sometimes, you know, people, they try and get you in your weak spots. But you know what? When people have thrown a stone at me and it's hit me in a weak spot, it's, 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 it's shown me that I have a weak spot. And then I go back to God and I say, strengthen me in my weak spot, Lord. And I thank God that my enemies showed up a weak spot. I would rather deal with a weak spot with a stone than with an arrow. Hallelujah. I'd rather you throw stones and hit me and, 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 I, and I strengthen my bit of armour than you shoot an arrow and you hit me and then it's too late. So we can thank God that our enemies come. We can thank God that even in the midst of slander and trial, even in the midst of madness, even in the midst of opposition, even in the midst of deception and temptation, even in the midst of exaggeration, in all these things, God is working. And when He's working in us, He's working on us, He's working through us, no one can say anything. At the end of the day, our enemies are astounded. They're like, how are they still standing? Ooh. 
For some of you right now, just as we enter into this next season, the enemy's looking at you saying, how are they still standing? How are they still standing? They've thrown loss at you. They've thrown sickness at you. They've thrown madness at you. They've thrown depression at you. They've thrown separation at you. They've thrown all these different things at you. They've tried to tempt you away. They've tried to keep you down. Come on, somebody. They've tried to stop you from going forward. They've thrown loneliness at you. They've thrown all these different things at you, mental attitudes and emotional stuff. They've thrown temptation at you. They've thrown weakness. They've even thrown failure at you where you failed in different areas. But if you, but listen to me, you failed forward because you're here. You're there with Jesus. He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. He's there for you. He's not going to leave you. He's with you. Things are going to go well. It's going to go good. Finish what you start. How many of you can finish what you start? How many of you are going to finish this year well? And let's stand to our feet right now. We're going to pray. That's where we've ended up in the series. We've been faithful to the text. We've got to this place. The wall is finished. I don't know what that means to some of you, but I believe that some of you, there's been a task that has been assigned to you to stand your ground, to stay the course, to keep going. And you've done it. To make it. And you made it. And God's pleased with you. It might have felt as if all hell's broken loose at times. But you made it. Well done. Well done. You might have had madness. We saw graduations today. They made it. Well done. One day when we stand before our, our Lord and Master, I want to hear, well done. Faithful servant. You did good. Well done. You might not have everything that everyone else has, but if you have well done, you've got everything. Don't get deceived. Don't get distracted. Don't look around at what other people have got. Don't covet what other people have. Don't. Don't miss what God has been doing in your life. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray today that today we're going to hear that well done, you did it. I pray that someone in this place is going to hear that well done, you did it. You got through that tough season. You didn't quit. You didn't throw in the towel. You didn't take your hands off the plow and turn back but you kept going. Well done. For some of you, that means that you brought up a child on your own. But now the child is grown and they're doing good. Well done. For some of you, that means that you've got through a really tough season when you could have just thrown everything away and cursed God and died, but you didn't. Well done. You finished. That season's over. The test is done. Whatever it is, man, well done. That's what I really feel today, just to tell you. 
as we come to this close in this series. Well done. Well done. If that's you and you've, you've stood your ground, well done. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray, God, that people in this place will be encouraged. Just let the Lord love you a minute. Just close your eyes, lift up your hands. Be encouraged, man. You're making it. You're further on than you were. The wall's finished, the boundaries are there. You've made your decision to serve the living God, no matter what. That's the wall. That's what's symbolic of the wall. You've, you've, you've done it. You're going to serve God. You're going you're to protect the sacred in your life. That's what it means. You're not going to move into the profane. You're not just going to move into the natural. You're not going to move away from spiritual things into earthly, worldly things. You're going to keep the sacred protected. Remember, Ezra built the temple and that was there, but the walls were broken down. So Nehemiah built the walls to protect the temple and the people of God. And if you've made a decision through thick and thin that you're not going to curse God and die, but you're going to trust God and live, then the wall's complete. The wall's complete. You did it. You did it. Your enemy's now messed up. The enemies that try to get you to turn your eyes off of Jesus, to go in a different direction. They can't understand it. They have no power. They have no authority now. You've got to get, you've got to, you've got to get encouraged in this. Because the future now is different. You have a different authority, a different anointing. You carry a different weight. Understand it. Utilize it. Live with it. Work with it. You're doing it. If that's encouraged anyone today, I want you to come out and just join us here at this altar. Anyone who's been finishing some stuff, who feels encouraged, who wants to... Who wants to make that statement? Who wants to make that declaration? Who says, you know what? I'm in it. I'm in it. Come out right now. There's a power in this, in this response. Victory Outreach Manchester is a family in the city and we are here for you. Visit us every Sunday in person at the church building or live on Facebook and YouTube at 10am. Go to our website, vomanchester.org.uk for more information.